Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Hey, Jack. It's nice to see you again, my friend. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for having me. You know, I I always I know that the audience can't see it, but the picture behind you, I've always admired it and never asked you who was on the wall. Uh, that's Camilla Cabello. Camilla Cabello. I don't even know who she is. I'm in my office today. Ah, <laughs> no, it's it's a it's it's. I like it. I'll I'll, I'll do a little research and uh and I'll, I'll let you know about it. <laughs> So how was your father's day? It was decent. Went to church, went for a nice hike with my wife, smoked a cigar, had some fun. Awesome. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I got a chance to spend it with my three kids and my mother. So that was it was it was a nice day. Absolutely nice day. So uh welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It. And uh I always love uh, uh having people on this show because we've all had uh, challenges in life and depending on the the guest some challenges are not challenges for that guest and some would be tremendous crises for another and so one never knows how a circumstance will affect an individual until it happens to them right. so you know and I, and I know uh, I'm getting to know a lot about you and I admire everything you've been doing and done and what you've gone through and uh, having had you on Dad Will Know, and we talked about fatherhood, I thought it'd be great to have you on uh, on this show so we can talk about uh, things that really defined you, uh, happened uh, in, in, your, in your life that have defined you and really molded you who you are right now. So your, your choice to go far as far back as you want and think about a defining moment in your life that made you stop, pause, think, and realize there was another way? I'd have to say the transition from high school to college. Okay. I'd love to hear about that. I didn't. I played football from Wee through college, <clears throat> except for my freshman and sophomore year uh, and my 10th grade year of high school. And I... I, uh, I wrestled and I played baseball and all that. And I took uh, my 10th grade year off because I didn't feel like I was big enough and I wanted to get strong. So I started lifting weights. Well, my coach didn't like that. I didn't play that year. <laughs> um, so I got a lot of razzing for that. And I'll never forget my the last game of my senior year. Um, he didn't play me or half the seniors the whole game. Hmm. Like not one play. And it just pissed me off. Um, and I kept carrying a grudge and I'm like, well, this is stupid. So I, I go to my freshman year of college, and the college that I went to my freshman year didn't have a football team. So we started a, um, a weightlifting club, and we would go into the different communities, and we had Paul Wren, who at the time was the strongest man in the world, come along with us and do a bunch of competitions and stuff, just kind of talk to the guys about uh, Grace College, the college I went to, and you know what Jesus meant to us. And then uh, I was still carrying this graduate towards his coach, <laughs> and I was like, this is stupid. He's not affecting my life. He doesn't even know it. You know, like when you carry a grudge, you're, it's like, what do they say? It's like swallowing uh, poison and hoping it to uh, to help hurt the other person. 
Right, exactly. They have no idea you swallowed it. So, right. so uh, I was dating a girl at the time who was from Colorado, which is where I live. And um, at the end of her our freshman year, she's like, I can't afford to come back to the school. Uh, you ought to look at the school in Colorado with a football program. So I came out here on a football scholarship. Okay. And uh, instead of holding that grudge, I was like, well, I'm just going to move on, right? So uh, I was captain of the team for two years. I was all conference for two years. And it was just kind of like, you know, thumbing my nose at him saying, <laughs> you didn't play me? See what you missed? And that kind of thing. But that's probably the first time I had a, a shift. And I was, uh, I went into college as a freshman at 17 years old. And so I was 19 at the time and 19, 20, 21 on the five-year plan. Um, but it was, but it, you know, my, my parents always said, you're going to college, you're going to college, you're going to college. My brother's 11 years older than me. And he said, uh, he told my parents, he goes, whatever you do, make sure Jack goes away to school. So he has the true college experience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I did. And uh, my whole family is still back in Ohio. And I'm kind of the black sheep for being in Colorado for three, four years now. <laughs> wow. Wow. And and you made that, you made that switch uh, because of the girlfriend at the time. Yep. Right. Well, what's funny is I broke up with her before I ever came out to Colorado. <laughs> that is that amazing what, how that happens. And then you went out there and you were able to go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset by, by shifting your, your attitude towards, towards football. And I mean, you were cutting off your, as I say, cutting off your nose to spite your face, not playing the game you loved because you were blaming somebody else for, yep. for, you know, for, your attitude. So good for you. So that, that, that actually is a huge defining moment because I'm sure, well, you tell me other stuff that came up after that, uh, the growth mindset more often than not probably kicked in. Right. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately for me, it was kind of, it took me until I was into my career to have that. Like I, I kind of wasted college. It came easy for me. I didn't want to be there, but I was there to play football and have fun, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, I was a B student. Um, and then when I graduated, I was like, I still have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. You right, know? Right, yeah. I still joke today, I'm almost 55, and I'm like, I don't know what I want to be if I grow up, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I say the same thing. So uh, I just keep looking for, you know, different ways to fulfill myself, different ways to give back to people and community. Mm-hmm. But it took me until mm, probably my first, uh, my third year out of college. So my first two years, I worked for a finance company. I hated it. Hmm, you do yeah. lots of collections, charging 36% interest when you could. I mean, I don't even know how it's legal, legal but but you did. Yeah. And so um, I was tired of being in that role. And I said uh, to, to a buddy of mine, I said, what do you do for work? He was a liability claim supervisor for farmers insurance. Okay. And uh, he kind of raved about his job for like an hour. And uh, I said, like, okay, you guys hiring? Give me an application. So I came in as a personal injury claims representative. Okay. And uh, in the claims industry, they, they always say you go through like three phrases, three phases. The first one is like, you owe everything. Everybody deserves everything. The second phase is, Nobody deserves anything. They're all a bunch of fraud, you know, that kind of uh, stuff. Because yep. you see it all the time. And in the third phase, it's screw it, just pay it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but I remember um, being a personal injury claim trap. And yeah, it wasn't every every uh, insured that you worked with, but 
uh, quite a few of them would have the opportunity to talk about personal growth. And, okay. you know, what can they be doing besides going to physical therapy, besides going to a chiropractor, that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and really taking an interest in that person getting better instead of just doing a job. Is that so, ended, that ended up what you what you started acting like yeah. rather than the three phases? Okay. So um, I took um, I, I progressed pretty quickly. I, I handled personal injury claims for a year and a half. Then I handled auto claims for a year. Um, then I handled fraud. That was the part of the national fraud team. Got it. Got it. Okay. Then it came back to uh, personal lines or homeowners claims. Then I became the um, auto supervisor. Then I was a personal line supervisor. And then I became the um, the facilities manager for the building. Oh, wait, our- how did you jump from that to but, facilities manager for the building? Because uh, I, I wanted, I had just finished my master's degree and I wanted to, I wanted to get into some kind of leadership and that's what was open. So I applied for it. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then I got into management with personal lines and then I volunteered to be a part of the local response corps, which is part of the catastrophe team. Oh, okay. Um, and then it started off, they wanted you to be gone like three days a week, you know, two or, you know, one or two weeks a month. Then it was three weeks a month. Then it was five days a week, three weeks a month. Then it was, we just need you on the route. So I was traveling about 27 days a month. Well, doing what? Doing the, the catastrophe? Yeah. Managing catastrophes. I had a team of about 120 people underneath me, uh, managers, wow. supervisors, and claim reps. Okay. I was one of the first people on the ground whenever a catastrophe would hit. So it was like at Katrina, at Rita, the Joplin tornado. Oh, the so it wasn't just in Colorado. You're talking about all over the country. Wow. Yeah, all over the place. Hailstorms in the Midwest, uh, wow. ice storms in Seattle. And I hated being away from my family, my friends, my church. Yeah. And, uh, I kept looking for a management position to open back up in Denver and nothing ever did. So a uh, position came up in Fort Collins. So I stepped down and became a supervisor and drove from, from uh, the South side of Denver to Fort Collins, which now is about a two hour commute. Okay. And I did that uh, four days a week for about two and a half years. Wow. Hoping something would open up in Denver. And I'm like, this is stupid. I'm still not seeing my family. I'm still, you know, yeah. by the time, by the time I get home, they're getting ready to go to bed and I leave before they're up in the morning. Yeah. So I stepped down again where I was, you know, 18 years prior as a claims representative. And I, I was a large loss claims representative. And I did that for a couple of years. And they were like, you know, we're paying you uh, what we could pay four claim reps to do. Here we go. Like, and had a feeling keep, that was coming. Yeah. They let me keep my salary the whole time. And then uh, they said, well, we don't, we don't need your expense anymore. So I was without a job. And thankfully I have a buddy that, um, uh, We've been in, I mean, a, a musician, we've been in bands together and stuff, but he owns a construction company and he owned a sound company. Like yeah. they would, they would do the back line and the sound reinforcement for contracts and stuff. And I said, uh, Hey, Craig, you know how you're always asking me to come uh, do a business plan for you and kind of get your business in order? He's like, Yeah. I go, You still want me to do that? He's like, Yeah. He goes, When can you start? I said, How about tomorrow? He said, Okay. <laughs> so I, I walked out of Farmers with a box in my hand and had a job the next morning. I said, you know, this is temporary until I find something I want to do. And uh, it was a significant pay cut, but it, it allowed us to, we never had to miss a mortgage payment or anything like that. You know, we right. stopped our wine club. We stopped our cable subscription. That was about it. Yeah. It was only for about five months. So um, then a buddy of mine um, from my church's worship team was a monster bass player. 
uh, I'll, I'll try to keep this short. He goes, uh, you ever considered doing sales before? I said, no, never. Because to me, sales was like the smarmy used car, car sales guy. Yeah. Hey, what's it going to take to get you into this car today, buddy? Right. And uh, he said, no, that's not what it's like at all. He says, you know, you build relationships with your clients. You help build their business. You get to know their families and, you know, pretty intimate information about their business and their personal life because you're working with them on that kind of a level. I'm like, all right, keep talking. So he kept telling me about the job. And he's like, you know, everybody I see in the parking lot and the sales team is driving away in their 700 series and their SLKs. And I'm like, all right, how much travel's involved? He's like, none. I'm like, all right. Wow. I think I'm interested. Yeah. So long story short, he was the director of operations for iHeartRadio. He designed and built the app and then sold it to oh, Clear no Channel. Okay. Clear Channel brought, it, brought him on as the director of operations. He wrote this glowing recommendation letter for me and I got my foot in the door and I wish I'd have found this job 25 years ago. Oh my gosh. That's wonderful. And that's what you're doing now. Correct. Never thinking you'd be in sales. So tell me, was your buddy correct? Yes. He was. He was. So explain, yeah, explain the type of sales and what I, what working with iHeart is like and, and how you're able to still carry your, your whole be who you are in the job you're doing. No, I love that part because, um, you know, it's sales is all about relationships. They don't buy your product. They buy you first. They right. trust you. They like you. Then they're going to want to do business with you if mm-hmm. they believe what you believe. Right. Uh, and so with iHeart, we're the largest media company in North America. Um, there's only three companies in North America that reach over a quarter billion people every month, Google, Facebook, and iHeart. And right now we reach 70 million more Americans than Google and 100 million more than Facebook every month. Unbelievable. And we got to hear more about that instead of hearing about the other two. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Start advertising. <laughs> no, I love it. And people think of iHeart as just radio or just the app. And yeah. They, a couple couple big concerts or festivals a year. Um, but we actually do. We're the number one radio platform in the country. We're the number one podcast platform in the country with over 440 million monthly downloads of our podcasts. Wow. Um, we produce ourselves over 2000 podcasts. Um, you can hear us on every platform there is. We're the number one ad search streaming audio network. Uh, we're one of the number one OTT uh, ad providers. Sorry, what, is o- what does OTT stand for? It stands for over-the-top television, but it's it, it's kind of an antiquated word now. People think of it as connected TV. So if you're watching TV through a Roku or an Apple TV or mm-hmm. Samsung Smart TV, that's, that's over-the-top television. Oh, okay. Um, we do targeted emails, geofencing, um, mobile blueprinting, uh, manage social media campaigns, display video pre-roll. The way I, I describe what we do is pretty much everything you can imagine that's marketing except for print. And if, if they need print, I refer them to my buddy, Adam Kemper. <laughs> there we go. Yep. No, Adam Wealth from you. Yep. 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 So that so it really is something that sells itself. So you certainly are able to just to do do the relationship, build, build relationships. and uh, And you offer a product that runs the gamut for, for an organization. It, it, you know, um, it give, it adds so much value, but I think the relationship you have with your clients adds so much value to your clients that it's a no brainer. Yeah. You know, I've been doing this for 10 and a half years now and I have clients that have been with me for 10 years. Right. Right. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. You know, we like each other. Uh, you maintain the relationship, you serve them, serve them well. And you make sure that whatever you're selling is working. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so uh, when you say, what are you selling them? Is it advertisement time? Is it okay? Well, anything to do with this. So I come in and just kind of figure out 
by the time I meet with somebody, I've looked at their LinkedIn profile, I've looked at their social media, I've looked mm -hmm. at their website. Um, we have a lot of tools in the industry that tell us like where are they spending money, how much how much impressions are they buying on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis, in what market, mm -hmm. um, you know, are they buying it direct? Are they working with an agency? And so I have a good idea of what they're doing, what their messaging is, but I sit down with people and I say, you know, like, what, why do you want people to know about you? What do you want people to think or believe about your business? What do you want them to do by where, when, and why? You know, and how are you going to hold me accountable? How are you going to judge me versus that this is success? Mm -hmm. And then we build our campaign from the ground up to hit those KPIs for them. Wow. So, so how do you think your changing from your shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset has helped you thrive in the industry you're in and helped you um, be a better, do better service for your clients? Uh, so when I first got here, um, there was hardly any training. Okay. They, they gave you a stack of books about this big. Yeah. And sat me in front of a green screen, you know, CRT computer. Yep. and said, go through these modules. I'm 100% commission. I'm like, well, this is going to take me months to get through this. Uh, so, so I came in uh, just from the relations I built in the insurance industry. I had uh, three pages, front and back, double column on legal pad of different people I wanted to reach out to to see if they were interested in advertising. Um, and so at first it was just, you got to sell, you got to sell, you got to sell, right? But over time, that's transitioned to just build relationships with people. Right. Um, I'm not a big BNI guy, or I don't like to go to big networking groups. Mm -hmm. I do belong to a chamber of commerce, um, but I'm more like one-on-one -on -one relationship. I like to get to know somebody. I don't want to like speed date like you have to do when you go to right. one of those big networking groups. Right, right, right. Uh, so that's that's what I do. I get to know people, and I get to know so many cool people in this job. Mm -hmm. My favorite part about my job is introducing other people to other people, as you know. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna butcher this paraphrase, but it's uh, Zig Ziglar said, you know, if you help enough people in life get what they want, you'll always have what you want. Yeah, absolutely. And so I've kind of changed my philosophy to like, let me just make introductions for people that I think would be valuable for them. You yeah. know, and we'll, we'll always couch it as, is this going to be a referral introduction for you? Is this a potential client for you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Introduce me, let them take it from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have to say that people you've introduced me to are good human beings. And I think that's what you and I spoke about. That's always our first criteria in yeah. talking with people to make sure they're good human beings first and everything else like falls into place. after yeah. that. So I think most people in business um, operate under this banner, but it's, you know, do business with people that, you know, people that you like and people that you trust. Right. If any one of those three things is, is missing, it's not going to be a pleasurable relationship. It's not going to be fruitful. It's going to end at some point. So you might as well just cut it off to begin with. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because that, that, um, you know, that phrase, I learned that in BNI, ironically. Oh, and, and, you know, in thinking through that, I agree with it to an extent with a twist. The no and the like, yes, because I've had friends I know and like it. I wouldn't trust doing business with them. And, and then so what I what I thought about is how would I define trust? What does it take for me to trust doing business with somebody? So trust now to me is A, they and their message has to resonate with me. That would be part one. Part two, I need to be able to respect them as human beings and respect their philosophy. And three, inspiration. 
can they inspire me? So mm -hmm. I, I have like this formula now, trust equals respect, resonate, I think in that order, respect, resonate, inspire. And so when you add it together, no like trust in that context, absolutely. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's funny. I'm thinking of a client right now that um, last year they were, they were my biggest client. Right, right. Family run business, loved the couple dearly. Um, through no fault of their own, they ended up having to file bankruptcy and close up shop. Oh, boy. Well, I got stiffed and have to pay back $30,000 in commission. Oh, boy. Um he came over to my house a couple weekends ago. We had a cigar together, drank some beer together. Aww. And and like all my friends and my wife were like, what? How could you do that? I can't believe that guy did that to you. And you're still hanging out with him. I'm like, look, man, you got to separate. He was a victim of what happened to him. He had to he had to let 49 people go. Yeah. He had to get rid of his business. He lost his house. It's not like he intended to do this. Mm -mm. And so, Absolutely. yeah, it sucks that I have to pay back the commission. But it doesn't mean he's a bad person. Absolutely. And you got to be able to separate the two. I still know him. I still like him. I still trust him because we talked the whole way through the process and I knew it was coming. You know, it's interesting, Jack, because we, you know, I keep, I do talk about this fixed and growth versus growth mindset. That's a growth mindset, what you were carrying and what, how you practice that. Because if you had that fixed mindset, it would have been, look what you did to me. Because a lot of times a blame or a victim mindset is in that fixed mentality. But, uh, you know, good, good for you because again, it's, it's, it, it it was a circumstance that happened to him and it wasn't like he said, okay, let me go screw Jack Gillet, right. you know, no, good for you. Um, all right. So, you know, I, you know, we could talk forever and I know we, we, yeah. we get a chance to talk a lot, which is awesome. But I want to ask you a couple questions uh, to round this out and then, uh, and then we'll let the audience get to know how to get in touch with you. So you're sitting down with uh, young Jack He's seven to 10 years old. And he says, hey, dad, can you give me some advice about life? And you scratch your head and say, okay, so this is young Jack. What are you going to tell him? Uh, don't care what people think about you. You know, be yourself. Beautiful. Which is a very challenging thing for a kid seven to 10 to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's challenging for a 54 year old to do uh, me too. Yeah. You know, you're right. And it's, it's something that it, it would be beautiful if we were all taught that at a young age, um, more often than not no, though, even our mentor or role models had an issue or a challenge mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. It's not easy. Great advice though. Uh, all right. Now young Jack has grown up and he wants to go out in business whether it's entrepreneurship or work for, for somebody. And again, young Jack comes to current Jack and says, can you give me some advice on going out and launching my business career? What are you going to tell him? Know why you're going into the business you're going into. Mm -hmm. Don't just jump into something without knowing mm -hmm. and make it all about the relationship. I love it. I love it. I love that. And then, you know, it's interesting. Then, So you take those two pieces of advice. Don't care what other people think about you and then build those relationships. And it, it does get challenging when you're building relationships, how you differentiate the somebody liking you versus somebody respecting you. Mm -hmm. And I think that distinction 
is one of the most challenging things when you're building relationships. Yep. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, the Bible talks about what women's roles are and what men's roles are. Mm-hmm. And it says, um, men love your, love your wives. Women respect your husbands. I mean, yeah. God, God knows what we need. Like it's easy for us to, uh, to give respect, but not really to love. And True. Men, yeah. And I'm, yeah. And I'm generalizing, but it's much easier for a woman to love her husband and not so much respect him. So that's why he had said, because he knows what we need to be re-energized and he knows what the woman needs to be re-energized. You know, that very enlightening and, and, and the what, yeah, that's, that's a huge, a good point because, um, I'm a firm believer in men and women think differently and we need to acknowledge that. And then each gender needs to be open to learning the thinking language of the other gender, which is exactly what you're talking about, that God phrased that in an exact way, knowing uh, what he, like the platinum rule, right? Do, right. Instead of the do unto others as you would do unto others as you know, they would want. And that's exactly yeah. how God phrased it in the Bible. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. So, um, yes, yeah, certainly the essence of Jack Chalet has has come out today and there are going to be people who are going to want to reach out to you or get to know you. What is the best way for them to get in contact with you? I'll give you my cell. It's 720-413-6324. Beautiful. And then my email is my first name and last name, Jack Jalay, G-E-L-L-E-Y at iheartmedia.com. Beautiful. Well, Jack, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have any brothers, Jack. Um, since I've met you, I can say at least I have one. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful you and I are friends and, and in each other's lives. And uh, uh, thank you I for agree. coming on and sharing your story. And uh, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Drew. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody, take care and be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode... Please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.